Welcome to Harvest Time. My name is Chris Harper, and our host on this program is Pastor Gary Walton, the pastor of Harvest Baptist Church. We often spend these 25 minutes together telling you the stories of our church by interviewing our members and other friends of the ministry. We want to start by personally inviting you to church this Sunday. We have two services, one at 9 a.m., the other at 11 a.m. Sunday morning. We'd love to see you at either. The service is also available via live stream at 11 a.m. You can find that at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. And also during that 11 a.m. service, we have Korean and Japanese translation available. This week, we're back in our series, Christianity 101, Discovering the Real Meaning of Life, and this week from John 3, 16 and 17. Let's begin today's program by welcoming Pastor Gary Walton. Hi, Pastor. Well, hey, Chris. Half a day to you and half a day to our listening audience. Uh, glad that you're here. We've got an exciting session uh, with our visitors, and I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. This Sunday, uh, just a few days from now, we'll have our final message in the series that we've been having on Christianity 101. Seven weeks ago, we began this series with this introduction, Life is full of questions, a few of which, and only a few, have answers capable of changing your life. And uh, it's really been the, the foundation for the series that we began you know, right in the beginning of Genesis, and we've been tracking some key passages throughout the scriptures to land and end with probably the most well-loved and well-known passage in all of the Bible in John 3, 16 and 17. And going to be asking the question, you know, kind of the culmination of the whole thing, but how can I be rescued? The Bible talks about this need for, uh, in, in religious terms, we call it the need for salvation, it's probably familiar to people, but it really means how to how am I rescued? And you might be saying rescued from what? Well, we'll look at all of that out of uh, John chapter three. I'm so glad to have uh, my friends uh, with us here on Harvest Time. Uh, Joel and Sarah Wagner, welcome to Harvest Time. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Joel has been on our program before uh, when you're visiting. I think maybe just earlier this year. So we had a chance to talk with him, but he brought back his lovely wife, Sarah, and their family. Joel and Sarah are missionaries with Bibles International. Uh, how many years now have you been with BI? Almost 10. Yeah, next year will be 10 years. Okay. And it's Bible Translation, right? Yes. Bibles International is the Bible Translation Division of Baptist Men Missions. Okay. And you've been living in Myanmar until the last couple years, right? Yes, until last year uh, when we headed back to the States for a scheduled reporting to our churches, uh, we had been there for uh, almost five years. Okay. I want to ask you about all of that. I know there's a lot of interesting path that God has led you and your family on over the last 10 years in God's direction of your life. And of course, there's some really interesting things happening, uh, concerning things happening in Myanmar and mm -hmm and God's work there. So uh, I want to get to all of that. But let's start by asking about your family. Maybe Sarah could ask you about that. Uh, how long have you been married? Do you have children? Okay, we've been married 15 years, and we have five children and one baby in heaven. And the kids are aged uh, 13 to 6. Okay. What have you seen as some of the big challenges of being a missionary wife, kind of raising your kids in areas where they've, they've moved around quite a bit? 
Yeah, thankfully they, um, since they were young, we had been traveling a lot, so they kind of see that as normal and enjoy all the adventure and new experiences. Um, but settling in Myanmar uh, was uh, somewhat challenging for me. One thing was I didn't attempt to drive there okay. in the in those few years. So everywhere I went was either by Joel chauffeuring me or by taxi. So that was something to get used to and taking the kids along. And um, then other just things like uh, if someone was sick or um, finding out where to go, where to take them. And, um, All those sort of like uh, support structures that you get yes. used to with family um, around, with friends also who speak a, your language. Yeah. Also on yeah. a spiritual level, um, in a country like that, there's just not Christianity is not evident. You have to know where to look, and it's in small um, encounters. And so we did, I felt that as a mother. Yeah, it's just so many challenges. I want to ask you some more about that here uh, in a minute. Um, Joel, you know, tell us about how, how did God lead your family to, to Myanmar? We had uh, felt the Lord directing us as a couple to serve with Bibles International, and so I did my seminary training toward that end. But we were open to wherever the needs were, and it's it's one of the uh, blessings of, of uh, Bibles International and, and their philosophy of wanting to see God direct that and not making assignments. Uh, and, and so there was a period of waiting and kind of wondering where that's going to be and pursuing opportunities so as I came toward the end of my um, seminary graduate training, and uh, there were a lot of projects that were being done in Southeast Asia, and we didn't have any people there. So that was an obvious need. Uh, we had some more personnel in other concentrations around the world. Um, and so that didn't seem like an option that we could live in Myanmar because no one had from our organization up to that point. And so we were just trying to get as close as we could with the thought that in the future the Lord would open that door because uh, Myanmar had been under a dictatorship for 50 plus years and uh, back in uh, 2011 that seemed like it was starting to change but um, still there, there wasn't an option to go to Myanmar. So we were looking at a country next door where we had some colleagues and in 2015 I made a trip with a, a senior uh, missionary consultant and uh, we were just doing work with translation teams but uh, one of those stops was in Myanmar to work with a team, and I couldn't believe how much had developed in, in a positive sense as far as an open door. We had a local colleague there who just said, come to Myanmar, we'll, we'll figure it out. And uh, he, he started to explain to me the Myanmar way of just, you know, you have a friend of a friend and, and you kind of go through back channels and things like that. And, and I, I couldn't... Um, get rid of that thought that maybe this really is the Lord's direction for us to take this step now uh, as we were preparing to move to the field, weren't sure where. I was looking at five different countries, but on the plane flight home from that trip, I wrote out kind of all the reasons this could work. And then th I submitted them to our, our leaders to give me their advice, and I really didn't expect much. I just wanted to go through this process and see what the Lord led. And uh, that, so it was very clear direction then as they came back and said, yes, this can work, and we're um, going to you know, support you in, in helping you 
open this country for our organization as far as moving a family there. When you see the Lord's clear direction, uh, you know, we've just been taught and and seen for ourselves that being in the center of his will is the safest place you can be. Mm-hmm. And and he proved that again and again. So um, it, that was sort of the, the process of getting there back in 2015 is when we moved uh, the family. I should have said at the beginning, I've got, uh, you know, we have a love for Bibles International. That's where Faith and I and our family were involved uh, in, in the administration uh, when you guys were coming in to BI, we'd been there just a few years before and then, uh, and then exited out as God called us here to harvest. But we love BI and, and that ministry. And Faith and I have personally loved watching you and your family as you followed the Lord's leading and, and as he's paved the way for you. It's really mm-hmm. been exciting to see that. I was in Myanmar uh, in 1998, I think, and it really is amazing I've been back, you know, quite a few times, even before BI, uh, you know, began. And we had a chance to put a translation center together and all that. But it is amazing what's happened in Yangon. And, in fact, I remember the first time I visited Myanmar, uh, most of our friends were, were Chin people, Tadim Chin specifically. And I desperately wanted to get up into the Chin Hills and the Chin Mountains. And I asked uh, around and, you know, there just was you know, just no options, mm-hmm. no opportunity to get out of Yangon at all. And of course, when we came back for BI, be able to travel up into mm-hmm. those areas. And I know you've traveled, you know, far more extensively than that across the, across the country. It's really cool what God has done. And, and we'll maybe talk in a minute about the challenges that are happening mm-hmm. right now where some things are closed back down. Sarah, um, you know, just the idea specifically of moving your family, your children, how old was your oldest when you moved to it? Uh, when we moved, Hannah was uh, seven. Okay. Almost eight. All right. So a very and, young family. Um, you have five children mm-hmm. um, and to a pretty unknown, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, your husband talks yeah. about, we'll figure it out, <laughs> right? But yeah. that's pretty scary for a... Yeah. Um, after we had spent you know, about two and a half years raising support. And yeah, um, we yeah guys, so somebody that's not listening, we, I mean, what that looks like, you're traveling. Yeah, right? you're in a different church every week. Joel gets up front and presents our plan for ministry, what we're doing and where. And so, like for me, it was just the Lord allowing baby steps to prepare me yeah. to say, yes, that is what we're doing. Yes, that's that's me. That's my life. And it didn't start out with me being so comfortable with that. But along the way, the Lord developed that so that we were really excited. And, and he had provided so much through the years of training and, and then traveling that it wasn't a question of would we be okay. We knew it, that we would. The how, we may not have known all the details. But, for example, we knew only one couple we were acquaintances with before we moved American, one other American one family. other American couple yeah. in yeah. Myanmar and um, shortly after we got there he's this one man says I think some other American families live in your neighborhood hmm. and so the very next day we start taking a walk to through the neighborhood to the section where he directed and found some really good friends and they introduced us to other families and they're Within walking distance, we had um, people we could talk to and children for the kids to be friends with. And 
So from the start, the Lord was just providing all the things that we didn't know. Yeah. What a great testimony yeah. of, of that fact of stepping out on faith for both of you together, but uh, being willing to obey God. If I could back up even further than that, we kind of went past this a little bit, but Joel, I mean, how, how, did you, how did you begin? Like you just felt like, did you feel like you had a calling to mm. missions in general? And then, yeah, the Lord used some um, two specific things in my life. Uh, I, I'm blessed to be raised in a godly family with parents that love the Lord, and um, it was they made sacrifices to to make that training in in um, raising us, um, like being homeschooled, being in the church, and just making those things a priority, serving uh, from a young age. So we had missionaries in our home. Uh, that when they would come through and report to our little church in the country in, in Michigan. And I got to see that they were real people, but they had a big view of God. And so God could use anybody if uh, who's willing to be used. And, um, and then also uh, reading missionary biographies. Mm. So those two elements just impacted me as a young person. I didn't see myself as uh, being someone who could lead in ministry, like pastoring, like academically, um, being up in front of people, things like that. I was a, you know, working on a, a dairy farm. But I thought missions work. There's a lot of pioneering. Um, just roll up your sleeves and, and do the hard work in in remote places. And so I went to I graduated high school and went to Bible college with that in mind that. I'm open to the Lord's leading. Um, I got to be introduced to a lot of ministries through those really formidable years of, of uh, Bible college training and even uh, ministries here in the Pacifics um, and, and praying about the Lord's leading. Uh, so it wasn't a calling to Bible translation in that sense, mm-hmm. and, you know, certainly not some mystic. I, I really want to avoid that that type of idea of calling, but it's it's kind of a convergence of uh, preparation and opportunities that, that God provides, and then the burdens that he gives. So I, I encountered a missionary who was uh, working with Bibles International doing translation work, and he has a contagious passion, mm-hmm. you, you know, Brother Glenn. Uh, and I was actually sitting in a service, a, a chapel service with Sarah before we were even dating, and heard him present just his love for what he does, how, how many thousands of people groups still need the Word of God in their language. And I, I, I said, i got to go talk to this guy. Mm. Here I'm thinking about missions, but um, I don't see other people signing up to do Bible translation. And I'm taking Greek and Hebrew, so it's just being open to God's leading in something that was very different from what I had in mind of maybe remote, maybe missionary aviation, um, and, and it's neat to see God direct through people and through opportunities. Sarah, what about you? Um, I didn't have such a clear direction um, growing up. I was just very open to whatever the Lord would show me and um, made choices to surrender to the Lord's will um, throughout um, the years. But um, I met Joel uh, as a senior in college and it was clear the Lord was bringing us together, and that was when the details started falling into place for me of what my life might look like. Yeah, so just a willingness to do whatever God wanted, mm-hmm. uh, wherever that would be. Mm-hmm. Who would have imagined? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> at that time, I think yeah. Joel, you said you're from Michigan. You're from Tennessee, I'm from Tennessee, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
So God brought <laughs> you together and then yeah. put this plan in place that neither would have mm-hmm. you would imagined. And the needs in Myanmar are, are great. Mm-hmm. Current challenges in the country. Uh, so, well, maybe tell us a little bit about the translation needs mm-hmm. there. Um, and uh, and actually, let's talk about the Goga translation project, mm-hmm. which is connected to, to Harvest right now. Yeah, so Goga is one of the minority people groups, uh, which the country has over 130 different distinct languages because the, the dynamics of the country, you know, 55 million people spread over 14 areas, a lot of that mountainous, um, jungle, uh, somewhat like Papua New Guinea or a dynamic like that where you have all these ethnic groups who've kind of maintained their culture and their language. And uh, so that creates a lot of diversity. Uh, and it's also created a lot of conflict ever since the country uh, has even had their independence as, as its own nation. Uh, but because of um, the Lord working there through previous missionaries and just the gospel taking root, uh, there's a desire for God's word. And so BI was first approached working in a country next door doing translation work and people groups from Myanmar came over and said, we want the Bible in our language too. And so from one to two to three, it's grown to now we're working with 13 different people groups just in Myanmar alone. And there's more that, that would like us to, to help them. So that, so Myanmar used to be called Burma, Mm -hmm. right? And so maybe some people might think that Burmese is a language, right? But that's only a part of the language it or is part of the, the country. Largest. It okay. is the largest language. So it would be used for trade and business throughout the country. Uh, but people are maintaining their, their heart language, their mother tongue uh, in their own towns and villages. And, um, and that's the, the, the groups that we're working with. Burmese has a, a Bible, a very good Bible, which we're blessed to build off of that foundation that others have, have laid and uh, so you said 130 other languages. Mm-hmm. These aren't just like dialects. These are specific Correct. languages. Yeah, okay. mutually unintelligible is the linguistic description okay. of how close they are to other languages. Um, and then you've got some of those dynamics here in Micronesia, which has been mm-hmm. enjoyable to learn about and see. So I, I know people here can kind of understand uh, that dynamic, but English is not the language of instruction, and that's a big difference in Myanmar, Burmese, uh, and it's just a very underdeveloped education system. So they maintain their their local language, and um, having access to God's word then is very necessary in their language. They're not interested in picking up a Burmese Bible because it's so difficult for them to understand. And uh, so that's how BI started working with so many groups, and then the the Goga is one of our most remote. And we just uh, encountered them uh, kind of indirectly through another group we were working with across the border. And they're related. They heard about us. They made the trip down. And because it's so remote, you have to travel by boat, and it's multiple-day trip. And, and uh, uh, so that was um, 2016 we first met with them, and they needed an alphabet. Um, it's one of the unique dynamics about Goga. Okay, let's um, yeah keep talking about that. So there was no <coughs> written language, right, at correct. all. No, okay. And uh, they they maintained it orally, which many cultures do. And right. um, but it's very difficult to you know establish uh, a group of believers and grow in in the Lord when you don't have uh, access to God's word, and and it often becomes just tradition or. Um, uh, just another man-made religion. Even under the guise of Christianity, there's plenty of evidence of, of false religion in Myanmar and other places. 
And so their leaders had this burden that in order to have God's word, we need to have our language written down. And so that process started, and we are now at the point where they have a functioning orthography and alphabet that they have chosen with with help of our consultants who've gone in and just said, okay, you already speak the language fluently. It's a beautiful system. Um, We just need to help you put it into written form. And now they've been teaching that in all their villages so that the young people and the adults um, have to learn, you know, literacy for reading and writing. And now they're ready to start the Bible translation, uh, which is an exciting place to be at after seeing all that foundation laid for the Goga people. Your role is as a translation consultant, right? So Correct. you're going to work along with maybe some others, but work with national speakers, mm-hmm. national Goga speakers, and interpreting, uh, translating a, a, a Bible into the Goga tongue and working on the New Testament right mm-hmm. now. Uh, we'll be starting that. We need to do training with um, some, some leaders. But yes, I am not the translator. It's not dependent on me learning Goga. Uh, we have some excellent believers who've been uh, trained down in the in uh, the main cities. So uh, the Lord has already provided those key elements, and then we start working together. They can speak enough English that that I can communicate with them, and I, I try to use Burmese as well. Uh, but we do checking over the work that they've done. That way, it's a team effort. We can bring in our expertise, but we rely heavily on on them being the experts in their language. And it's a beautiful dynamic of seeing how we can come alongside and help in this way. This Sunday, if that is a trigger for us, is our harvest offering. And uh, uh, we're trying to, uh, we're asking our church family if they'd be willing to give sacrificially to a couple different projects. There's a a project in Palau, a training center, leadership training center. And then the, we'd like to help complete uh, the funding for the Goga New Testament. So we're praying that God would um, allow us to bring in upwards of, about, I think there's about $21,000 yes. left. So uh, if you're listening, you'd say, boy, I'd like to be a part of that. It sounds exciting that God's word could be in the language of somebody that doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. You guys are on the ground, but we, we're privileged and burdened and excited about maybe being a little part of that and helping, helping that to take place. We have just a couple minutes here, um, Joel, but I know there's a lot of things that's going on in in uh, Myanmar right mm-hmm. now, politically, and um, that's the reason why you guys are here in Guam, correct? correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because of the military coup that took place in February of this year, um, we've not been able to return on the visa that we had before. Our, our plan is still to go back when that door does open, Um, And they had been taking such positive steps toward developing uh, the the country just in every way. Uh, They had five years there of uh, a free election, and those were the years we were there. And then the the election last year seemed to be going in a positive direction, but the military leaders, as they realized they were losing control, stepped in and took over, arrested uh, the, the, the duly elected leaders, and that country has been... Uh, really a failed state since that time. And there's ongoing warfare as the civilians try to uh, resist, and and they're still unified against this military dictatorship that that they are determined at at really great sacrifice not to allow the country to fall back into uh, dictatorship as it did before. So that's been uh, heartbreaking, Mm -hmm. to to say the least, just on on a weekly basis, the news reports, and then you have, you know, um, the health system 
not um, functioning. And so we've lost a number of friends over the past year uh, for various reasons, but um, it, it requires a lot of prayer. We, we don't have you know much to say as far as answers or even how to pray, but the fact that we have those relationships and we're still connected, uh, thankfully we, we the internet is functioning in, in some parts so we can stay connected, just to let them know we're, we're praying for them, we're sharing their, their needs and their burdens of, of the believers there with other churches, and the, and it feels like we're not doing much, but it's strengthening and it's, it's encouraging, and that's the ministry God's called us to right now from a distance. We can do it much better here. We're, we're close um, time-wise from Guam, so that's been a blessing to have that uh, clo- being close to Southeast Asia and try to continue some of our work online. I'm meeting with translators uh, as they continue their work, but under uh, just extremely difficult circumstances. There's not Christian persecution per se, but the churches are really struggling, right? Yeah, it's not targeting uh, Christians, although most of the military would be Buddhist. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the predominant religion there. And um, as they are targeting the ethnic minorities and that racial uh, tension and and racism and hatred has has been there, and it it always will be. We know the the sin nature and pride, uh, that's why it exists. But um, those in power now are using that to terrorize their own people. And so it is affecting the villages that they're attacking. There are churches there, and that's the most developed building in the village. So the military passes through, they're burning it down, Mm -hmm. they're destroying it, they're uh, destroying people's property. And so indirectly, I mean, it it, it looks like persecution, but it is because of them being an ethnic minority. Well, we're thankful that you guys have been able to land here for a little bit. Hopefully it feels like a place of respite and safety um, and opportunity. Mm -hmm. Um, So as long as God allows your family to be here, we're honored and thankful that you're able to be be here. Thank you. It's been a a blessing to us to to see that and be a part of that uh, by being here at Harvest and uh, you're an encouragement uh, indirectly, but but because of our connection to the believers in Myanmar, you're a great blessing to them, and we're thankful to have a small part in that. And I was I was teaching this week. Uh, it's one of the things here at, at HBBC that's been a blessing. But teaching in Acts uh, 20, as Paul says goodbye to believers that he's gotten very close to, and uh, just his, you know his final words of of taking heed to yourself, taking heed to the flock which the Holy Spirit has appointed to you. And then he, with great emotion, and that, that final goodbye in, in 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 32, he says, Now, brothers, I entrust you to God mm. and to the word of his grace. And that dependence on God's word, uh, it, it guards against false teaching, it, it protects the gospel, it sustains us. And we've had to say emotional goodbyes in Myanmar, we've said emotional goodbyes in, in America. I'm sure we'll have that here when the time comes but God's word sustains us, and that's why it's so important, and we're so thankful for it. We're thankful for it here. Praise God for his word that we have access to, and we're burdened that there'd be people groups all around the world who are waiting for, including mm-hmm. the Goga. Mm-hmm. As of today, they still don't have any part of the scriptures in their language, right. so thank you for being willing to go. We'll pray that God would very quickly give them the privilege that we share. So, Amen. Thank you, guys. And thank you for listening to Harvest Time. Of course, we want to personally invite you again to services this Sunday 
at Harvest Baptist Church. We meet at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Sunday morning. We'd love to see you at either service. You can take advantage of our live stream as well. That's at 11 a.m. You can find it at hbcguam.org, hbcguam.org. And if you come to the 11 a.m. service, we do have Japanese and Korean translation available. This week, back in our series, Christianity 101, Discovering the Real Meaning of Life, will be in John 3, 16 and 17. Thanks again for listening to Harvest Time.